Welcome to The Founder's Mind. This is your host, Adam Mutchler. On this episode, I have Lindsay Kaplan. Lindsay is in the talent development space and exploring something I find particularly interesting, gatherings. In the process of writing a book on gatherings, Lindsay is examining how we bring people together and why. In her words, context is king. Listen in and hear what Lindsay's been learning from conversations in a pub in Ireland to a summer-long sabbatical writing in New York City. Lindsay, welcome to The Founder's Mind. Thanks, Adam. It's great to have you on the show. I'm very excited to, to dig in and talk about some of the things that you're up to. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you as well. Nice. Well, I, I feel like the best way to start, and this has been what I do with, on other episodes, is just a little bit from you about who you are, what you're up to. I know you got a lot going on. You work, you work for Credit Karma. You've got, you know, your own writing and, and work that you're, that you're creating. So I'd love to hear from you. Sure. Yeah. So um, I, uh, the field that I work in is learning and development. And my days are focused on how to help people develop professionally and personally. Usually that means uh, much like you and your coaching work, how to help individuals and groups and sometimes entire organizations uh, move from A to B. So sometimes that's creating learning experiences or coaching or facilitating or consulting, sometimes a little bit of therapy, uh, Mm -hmm. all sorts of tools or different hats that I wear that uh, both create additions for work to be a a place where people can develop and also sort of help people uh, unlock their potential. I love that. Obviously very biased because we do similar work, you know, in, in slightly different formats. And I think this is a little bit different than other, other interviews, because I do talk to a lot of founders, um, but I have talked to some authors as well. And it, I think the, the thread for me is, you know, how people are thinking about the way that they show up and how they work together and, and how they, especially with startups, you know, how do you, how do you get people behind your idea and how do you get people moving uh, in a certain direction. And I think that's what caught my eye with some of the work that, that you've at least published or written about online. I know we first connected on LinkedIn, but since then I've seen you have your website. It'd be cool to learn a little bit more about sort of specifically some of the things that you're exploring and, and, and working on in your space. Sure. Yeah. So I'm really interested in this notion of change, as are you, as we talked about. And one of the common tools for change inside an organization and also for founders or really anyone to get someone bought into an idea is a gathering. So think about a gathering that we're all really familiar with, whether it's gathering around in a classroom, an educational institution, or gathering into a theater to watch a piece of art or the experience that most of us can relate to is gathering inside an organization. And this is sort of the most common or one of the most common tools that we think of to move people along. Let's put people in a room and I'll tell them a message and then they'll be bought in and they'll, they'll do what I want them to do. And I've experienced this um, in, in many different ways. And I just became fascinated with this idea of how do we do it better? Uh, whether you're a participant or someone leading the gathering, how do we get more out of this this tool or this experience that we're all really familiar with. We, we spend many hours gathering and they could be more effective than they are right now. Yeah, this is like the, the beginning of, of a solution for avoiding death by meetings. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> I think 
people, when I, when I talk about this, the first place their head goes to is, is a meeting. Yeah. And my hope is that it's actually a bit broader than that. Um, so what does that, yeah. What does that mean? Um, you know, there's kind of three, uh, there's three, three contexts that I'm really interested in. One is the education context. Mm-hmm. So a classroom, a corporate training workshop, um, or just, you know, um, classes that were great for us in college. Why were they so great? Why did that material stick with us? The other context is art. So whether it's a concert or a comedy show or um, a piece of theater, why did why do we want to go tell our friends about that experience? What was it? And the third is business. So that could be a meeting. It could be a town hall. It could be just the way um, we gather as an organization, the rituals that we have. Or it really could just be the one-on-one experience that I have with my manager. When I'm in that room with that person, why do I feel more connected? Why do I want to take up their idea as my own? Why do I want to go the extra mile? What is What do all those experiences have in common that help us think about how to move people from A to B in a more meaningful way? So meeting, yes. And can we think about all of the contexts in which we're gathering? There's There's a lot of them, many of which I haven't even thought about. Yeah, I mean, like immediately, even even things where it's it's less voluntary, like being on transit with with people. You know, <laughs> like I don't know, like for some reason, it, there's this intentionality with gathering that I feel like isn't there with meeting, mm. right? And uh, my my mind always goes in this direction of, you know, are we being intentional with how we show up and how we spend our time? Uh, and again, listening to the very early commentary on gathering, it sounds like there's more intentionality. And the the subway or the transit thing came up. It's like, are we being intentional in every space that we're in? Yeah. You know? I think we spend a lot of time definitely in transit mm-hmm. uh, and definitely in gathering. And we can choose to be passive and let it happen to us, whether we're in the audience or playing a role or or the one gathering, or we can choose another way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm interested in people that have made certain choices that have had different kinds of effects on the outcome of mm-hmm. these gatherings. So I love, I love also the intersectionality here of like art and education and business, but for the sake of time and, and sort of the focus of the show, it'd be interesting to hear, you know, how are you experimenting with gathering at work and with, you know, in business and, and how do you see that evolving as you as you start to sort of think more about gathering versus meetings or gathering versus just showing up? Yeah, so in my role, I get to experiment with it all the time. Um, the few instances that are, uh, are top of mind are creating learning experiences for people. So, you know, we've, we have our own views about how effective these experiences are. I think uh, many of your listeners have been to leadership development classes or workshops or mandatory trainings to great, you know, varying degrees of success or, or satisfaction. So that's the use case that I spend my time thinking about a lot. Um, and also coaching managers on how to have more effective gatherings with their teams uh, in a stand-up or in a large team meeting or uh, in a town hall. The main piece of advice I tend to give people and that I tend to think about is, are you focusing on the content? So what slides are you giving people and pushing out? Or are you focusing on the context in which it will be received? 
And oftentimes that is uh, the way that we've been taught is to focus on the content, partially because of how we were brought up in, you know, the education institutions that we were part of. We sit and we listen and we're passive versus how do I really engage people around some greater idea? So yeah, this is, I was, I was sort of combing through your site and you have a, one of your headlines, context is king. Or mm-hmm. one of my, one of my previous guests uh, said, I uh, used queen instead of king, which I loved. <laughs> so maybe context is queen, either one. Yeah. Uh, and content is, in your words, cheap. The, so that may be a little controversial. <laughs> and I'm not saying that content is not important, but the, what I want to get across is content is everywhere. Mm-hmm. So at this day and age, you can press a button on your computer and find content in an instant. And, you know, there's 16 million hits on how to lead uh, if you type something in Google. So so people are, are not necessarily gathering for content because they can get that on their own. What they're really gathering for is context. And furthermore, they're gathering for connection to you and to the material and to each other. So if you stop at the content only level, there's, there's a, a, a disconnect and B, a missed opportunity to do more with your time and to develop a stronger connection with your people. And that's really what I'm interested in and focused on and have been experimenting with for the past several years. Well, here's a question, because I'm, I'm always curious about this. Where, what was the inflection point in sort of having some of these ideas about gathering and, and sort of clearly there was some sort of awareness that came to you, that there's a distinction mm-hmm. And then starting to articulate it. What was was there a moment or were there a series of moments that led you to saying, This is something I feel compelled to focus on and I'm gonna put energy towards it and explore it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are both students of a lot of, you know, probably nonfiction, a lot of books on creativity <laughs> and innovation, and this notion of like flashes of insight. And I think I experienced one of those. I was on a bus in Ireland from one town to another, and this idea just popped into my head. And I think the reason for that is I I went to a country that is really great at gathering. So Ireland is gathering culture, the storytelling, the pubs, the poetry, the warmth of the culture there. They know how to do gathering really well. So I think being in that environment helped me understand that this was something I was somewhat meant to do. But but real quickly, if I look back at my past 15 years, the threads were always there. Mm-hmm. I started with entertaining people. Then I moved to educating them. And now I help transform. So I've had experience in the, the art, the education, and the business context of gathering. Mm-hmm. It took me a little bit to understand what that common theme was. Yeah, sometimes the world or the universe just has to shake you a little bit and say, hello. <laughs> Absolutely. It's been here all along. Yeah. Duh. So, yeah. And now I'm like, yeah, this this is is great. I want to do this all the time. So when was Ireland? Uh, August of 2017. Okay. So you had this, it came to you on the bus in Ireland, which I love, an epiphany or maybe sort of the (laughs) the final straw in all of the little winks from the universe. And you're like, okay, okay, I get it. Um, there's, there's this theme in my life and you've had a, you know, you've had a lot of experience in a lot of, you know, uh, 
you've done this work in learning and development for a while now. What was that? What happened? You had that idea and then? I had that idea and then I wrote the cover page of a book and I was like, I'm done now. Great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like the, like uh, the book cover? Yeah. I was like, oh, I have my, the first, the title and then okay. my name. Okay. Uh, no. I, um, I really started to, so what was next? First thing I did a couple months later was I actually went back to Ireland. So I decided that, yes, yeah, so I decided that if I was serious about this and I wanted to really research this and potentially write a book, I had to, I had to do some experiments that, that basically tested my discipline and tested whether or not this was something I really wanted to do. Uh, so I went to Ireland for two and a half weeks last December and I sat and I wrote and I was around this place that inspired me and the people that inspired me. So I put the initial outline of a book together and I interviewed someone who sparked the idea for me in the first place, mm-hmm. who was a tour guide named John O'Connor. Cool. When you went back? I went back. I emailed yeah. him and I, uh, I asked if I could go on his tour again. And we had a great night of talking about uh, the book. And it, it was another light bulb moment of like, there really is something here. And all of the hypotheses that I had, he solidified. Um, and so... I just found ways to keep the momentum alive. Mm-hmm. And I knew that going back to Ireland would be one of those ways. And so that was, the, that was one of the first things I did. That's amazing. I love that. That Just listening to that part of the story, by the way, for me, you know, there's, there's this feeling we're, we're hyper-connected air quotes um, with social and technology and email. And, you know, I get like, HubSpot notifications, Slack notifications, Gmail notifications, like all day long. But there's this really intense feeling of isolation and not feeling connected, you know, which is the polar opposite of what technology is, again, quote unquote, doing for us. Yeah. You know, so it's interesting having this conversation with this guy in Ireland. And he's, I'm assuming he's not a learning and development professional. No, no, but what he is, is similar to any founder or any person with a passion Mm -hmm. is they have an idea they want to gather people around. His tool is a walking tour of a town just north of Dublin. That's his tool for gathering. And so how does he do it really well? That's, that's, that's the, the curiosity for me. But, you know, if we zoom out, everyone, a lot of people have this thing that they're passionate about that they want to gather people around. How do I do it well? Um, and so John is the everyman. And uh, I wanted to start with a universal example. Yeah. And have you had done other interviews since then? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I spent my summer in New York City. and This past summer? This past summer, yes. My, my work very generously uh, gave me the opportunity to have um, a sabbatical and, and work on the book. So I moved to New York City this past summer and spent my days and nights <laughs> researching and writing the book and just being around a lot of these gatherers and um, and really drawing a lot of connections between these different disciplines. That's awesome. And we were we were two ships passing in the night in New York. That was another <laughs> LinkedIn moment for us. Yes. Um, so you were in New York. You were you were all in on all this. In. So was it about a year from when you the first sort of initial idea hit you, August 2017, 
you went back to Ireland sometime between August 2017 and summertime of 2018. Mm-hmm. And then what did you do? What I, happened in New York? Um, it wasn't magic. You're snapping your finger. Uh, <laughs> what, ha- what happened in New York, in New York was um, really incredible. I, it was very productive. It was super um, affirming to what I'm interested in doing, but really more than that, it gave me a, a, an even stronger sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. And so as a learning and development person, uh, it's interesting to have that experience for myself and then be able to empathize with people who want to unlock that for others. So it gave me, it gave me a lot. It gave me a lot of words. It gave me a lot of the book and it gave me a proposal uh, to yeah. to start to shop around. Um, I think it's really you. You kind of said it offhandedly as you were as you were giving the response. It wasn't it wasn't magic, quote unquote. And one of the other things that we've connected on is obviously Daniel Pink. Uh, you know, someone that we that we admire his writing and his work, and also a fellow alum. But go cats, go cats. But what he but what he talked about in in the interview I did with him was, you know, just like sitting your butt down and just writing like eight hundred words a day, just writing 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 and it isn't magic you know it's about it's production and refining and editing and revisiting and i think that's an interesting part of the process and it's the same with entrepreneurship you know and i i just had a conversation with someone yesterday and she was a little bit lamenting sort of this like the sex appeal of being a founder and having an idea and just raising like saying i have an idea and now i need to raise money so I can build this idea and, and, you know, her commentary is like, no, you have an idea now do the work and prove that there's money in the idea and someone may write you a check. Totally. You know, that's that, that's the comment around. It's not magic. It's not like I wrote this thing and now everything's changed. It's these small steps towards yeah. a larger goal. Yeah. And every day was a different cafe sitting down and, working on that week's goal until I got to the end of the summer. Um, but it's those constant proof points yeah, and sort of small wins that you're building for yourself. What's, um, I'm very curious, sort of, you know, obviously an amazing opportunity with a sabbatical from your, from your company and being given the space to really zoom in on something that you're, that you care deeply about, you know, at the moment, what were some of the challenges that came up over the summer? It was very hot in New York. Uh, (laughs) No. Um, Some of the challenges. I think the biggest challenge for me is um, writing is something I've always loved. It's what I started at Northwestern. So it's an interesting full circle moment, by the way. But a lot of writing a book, first of all, I've never done this before. So I had Mm -hmm. to learn how to do this. So that's, that's one challenge of teaching myself something new. Two is a lot of writing a nonfiction book is not just the the idea, but the platform you have and the business case for it. So, you know, I um, try to practice what I preach. And I also understand that it's hard. And one of the lessons I learned early on was in trying to sell, quote unquote, the book, I was pushing concepts on people as opposed to kind of invoking their curiosity on it, especially as I wrote kind of the, the proposal piece. Mm-hmm. So that was an interesting challenge or just a lesson to learn. Um, and I don't know, other 
other challenges. Um, the creative, the creative, lastly, I just said the, the normal creative process, yeah. which is those highs and lows of I'm great. I'm awesome. This is crap. I'm crap. Um, <laughs> I had a lot of those weeks and I sometimes just gave myself a couple of days off to yeah. just turn my brain to something else. That's an, so you giving yourself a couple of days off and let your brain turn to something else is was that something that was that something that you sort of have acquired over the years or something that you're familiar with from your work? A lot of people don't give themselves a break, especially today. Um, I am very hard on myself as I'm sure maybe you are and a lot of sort of founders and entrepreneurs are because we care so deeply about this thing that we're creating but I also know that in order to have new ideas come in, I have to let my brain relax and I have to be open to other experiences. Mm-hmm. So New York is great for wandering around and bumping into people. And so I knew from research I had to, but I also uh, tried to be a little bit kinder to myself in this experience because truly it was a once in a lifetime special thing. And I, my friends kept reminding me I should have some fun as well. That's great. So you had a little bit of a network there. Maybe, oh, absolutely. Whether it was in person or just like in conversation, you know, like. Yeah, I went to grad school in New York, so a lot of my a lot of my friends uh, are oh, still great. there. Mm-hmm. Amazing! I'm the sabbatical ended. You're back. <laughs> you're, you know, you're back. You're back. You're back uh, with with your company, but at the end of having this space and really digging in, kind of looking back, you know, around this topic of gathering. Was there any, was there something specific or anything that came out of, that came out of the summer um, that really sort of shifted or expanded your perspective on, on this idea of gathering? Hmm. It's interesting. I came back to work. I wrote a little bit about this in a blog post. Um, I came back to work and I, I told a bunch of people what I was doing so that I was held accountable to goals over the summer. And I didn't say my goal was to finish the book. I, I, to be clear, I came back and I had a few dozen people ask me, their first question was, did you finish the book? And um, in, in moments of defensiveness, I was like, no, no, but that wasn't the goal. And here's what I did. And here's what's happening. I just sort of like listed off a bunch of things. And what I really wanted them to ask me was less about the content and more about the experience. So how was it for you? What did you learn? How did you change? What lessons are you taking Mm -hmm. away? Uh, And the reason I say that is I think there is a connection to this work around gathering, which is, is it just about checking the box? Did I do the thing I said I was going to do? Did I get people in a room and give them the materials and they left? Or did I have some additive experience that changed them for the better? This experience of the summer in New York was the latter in so many right. ways. And the default response, the, the, the defensive response, oftentimes out of fear, is mm-hmm. did you do the thing? Did you check the box? And as entrepreneurs and founders, people are asking you those questions all the time, but I bet they're dying to be asked more about what they're learning and what they're experiencing and how they carry that forward. So that was an interesting lesson for me, and, and that's something I'm still mulling over. Yeah. That that really just brings up the you know the very well worn you know it's not about the destination it's about the journey. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
And I think about that a lot in, in my work and in talking to founders. Most founders build companies that fail. Mm-hmm. Just like statistically. Or get into like this mediocre purgatory where they're not totally failing, but they're definitely not growing. You know, and I talk to a lot of founders that are part of ventures that it's unclear what the future is. And one of the things that comes up is that even in failure, you know, you're acquiring so many skills, so much perspective, you know, so much knowledge that eventually hopefully turns into wisdom, but it starts with sort of these you know, anecdotal stories. Um, and it's so valuable. And, you know, and to your point, the goal, regardless of how you break it down or explain it, if your goal was not to say, I'm going to finish a book and have it published and be a New York Times bestseller in 2018, because that's how the world works, you know, magic. But it was, I'm, I'm going to really soak up this time and just immerse myself in this experience. And I'm going to produce and produce and produce, but it's about being immersed in this moment you get a lot more. Yes. And, you know, the connection I'm drawing to that is, you know, when we share information with our employees or uh, with our customers or whatever, we can focus on the destination and what we did and what we accomplished and, you know, what our revenue is, or we can focus on the journey and how we got there and what we're learning. And it's not, it's not content and context. It's, it's different kinds of content that we're sharing. I think both are super valuable. So, you know, maybe the meta lesson is, do people want to hear all of it? Are we afraid to share all of it? Um, How can we encourage people to sort of gather around different kinds of stories that aren't just what I accomplished, but how I did it and what I learned? You know, it's such an interesting, that's such an interesting distinction. And I think about, I literally just flash on like all the moments in my life, you know, even like mostly in childhood where it's like, What's rewarded is knowledge, you know? Mm. Oh, you know something. Oh, you learned a new word. Oh, you learned a new skill. Oh, you got a grade that shows that you remembered certain content. Um, You know, there's this constant conditioning around information. Uh, And then you graduate college and there's this, you now know, like you now know things and you're supposed to take that knowledge and use it at work. And heaven forbid you don't know something because hello, you just got a degree. Um, right. And I think, you know, there, it takes a lot of energy to unravel literally decades of conditioning. By the time you're out of college, you're, you know, 20 ish, you know, like you've been conditioned around information for two decades. Absolutely. You know, so that's a really, you know, I think it's, it's a sizable challenge, but it's also, a reasonable expectation that it will make people uncomfortable or that it will be hard for them to get there. It's that quote. We don't remember what people said. It's we remember how they make us feel. Yeah. You know, no one's going to, yeah, you got a lot of knowledge, but how do I feel when I'm in the room with you? That's yeah. the gathering part. Yeah. That's the leadership part. So we are conditioned to this. It is institutionalized. It is beaten into our heads. It's so normal. Hmm. And how can we add a couple other tools to our toolkit? That's that's the challenge and learn how to use them in different situations. I love that. How do people feel when you're in a room, room with them? That's the gathering part. For me, it was just like, ching. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's yes. probably a good, good stopping point for today. I really appreciate having you on the show, being able to sort of geek out about the things that we work on and learn more about gathering 
what it is to you, the process of getting there, uh, you know, through Ireland and, and all of those adventures. The last thing is what's a good way for listeners to find you, to follow your work? If someone listens and they're like, dang, I want to learn more about gathering, where do they go? Yeah, thanks for asking. So they can go to my website, which is lindsaykaplan.com, and find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, all of those normal places. But I'd love to hear from people and uh, and to receive some questions or challenges back at me. I don't want to assume I have all the answers. So let's let's engage. Let's chat. I can attest that reaching out to Lindsay on social works because that's how we got into this conversation. <laughs> so you might yes. find yourself getting into your own conversation if you take <laughs> her up on it. That would be awesome. All right, Lindsay, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Founder's Mind. Check back for a tangent episode with Lindsay, where we dig deeper into the elements of gathering and talk about distinctions between content, connection, and context in gatherings. To make sure you don't miss any awesome wisdom from guests and stay up to date on the most recent episodes of the show, be sure to visit thefoundersmind.com. You can also follow along on social at thefoundersmind. Last but not least, thank you to Roy Matz for the music on the show and his dope editing skills that make the founder's mind possible. Until next time, take care. In a world going through all of this insanity and try to bring new ideas, make them a reality. Illuminate in the thoughts, make it a priority to implement what you learn, what you get is what you be. In a world full of noise, hard to find that clarity to try to lead subtly, never full of vanity and try to change something small or try to change humanity. Power forward through the dark, founder's mind is what you see.